hello there, ladies and gentlemen. This is Ron Stefanski, the host of Disrupt Ed, where we talk to a bunch of people about the ginormous amount of disruption that's taking place in our 5G wired technology augmented globally interdependent world of work and learning. And we've been on a chair here in the disrupted community, finding some amazing voices about the changes that tech is bringing to the world of work. And I have to tell you, you're going to be really excited about our next guest today. She is a tech warrior. So Karen Manja is joining us today. She is currently the Vice President of Market Insights for Salesforce. But more than just a tech exec, she is a Wall Street Journal bestselling author of numerous books, three of which are with Wiley. I'll let her plug them a little bit. This is because they're books you should really uh, take a look at. She has some powerful insights. That's, in fact, how I met her. We were, uh, she was posting about some of the things that she covers in her books, uh, which are success from anywhere. Uh, listen up, there's a number of them. But more importantly, I got to see another side of Karen that I wanted to explore with her today on the show. And that's the tremendous heart she brings to her role in technology and with her colleagues and in her organization. And I think a lot of that is influenced by a powerful mentor and life force in her universe, and that is a gentleman by the name of Salvatore Manja, Karen's 99-year-old grandfather. So while she catches her breath, we're going to bring her back in just a second. We are back now after a momentary reprieve, and we have Karen Manja, the Vice President of Market Insights from Salesforce here. Karen, it is such a delight after we've had numerous conversations, as I've had a chance to not only cyber sleuth you, but read up on your books and your uh, literary journey with uh, Wiley and other publishers as you brought a lot of your ideas to the forefront. Thank you so much for being on Disrupt Ed today. Your enthusiasm is infectious. There is nowhere else I would rather be. Well, thank you for saying that. But, you know, uh, as we started, as I started to say, I think one of uh, the things that's really uh, heartwarming about following you is the way you've opened yourself and your heart up to sharing with your following, which is growing, by the way, enormously through her books, through her podcast, through her platform and through her work with one of the most dynamic tech companies out there, Salesforce. So, um, but one of the people that's uh, privately influenced her a great deal, and I just want to uh, mention him, is Salvatore Manja. And the reason why I know this name is because I follow her, and I've had the privilege of watching a whole series of videos uh, called Sundays with Salvatore. And this is her 99-year-old grandfather. And go link up with Karen. Go listen to her podcast. Go subscribe to her. And when you do, check out her videos of Salvatore. He is an inspiration, salt of the earth, wizened individual who has given Karen a lot of her inspiration for the work that she does. Tell us more about Salvatore. Fill in the blanks for us here. He is a World War II veteran. He served in the Navy, even though people are often surprised to discover to this day, he doesn't know how to swim. In addition to that, he's a first-generation American. He is an entrepreneur. And to this day, he believes that he's still working because he uses his two iPads, 
his smartwatch and his three laptops to invest in the stock market on a daily basis. And when I think about all of the inspiring people in the world, and I'm often asked who I admire or who is my business hero, I was reminded the person who's taught me so much about business and about life is my grandfather. And at this time when there's so much uncertainty in the world, I thought, what better gift to give than to share him and his wisdom and his model of living well with curiosity and creativity and energy and vibrance at age 99. It's, uh, it's incredibly inspiring, I have to tell you. And I had close relationships with actually six grandparents, two that were adopted by my uh, from my stepmother. And they were all amazing people that had amazing influence on us. And, and I think sometimes uh, it's nice to think for a moment about the role that grandparents play. They don't bring the rule book, that's for the parents. Um, they bring just their presence. They're, they're completely present with us from the time we're children. Um, and they dote on us and they give us a level of confidence uh, that I think is unique uh, of all the people that we have mentoring and influencing us throughout our career. So it's so fun watching Salvatore. And I want to be among those who also encourages you that one of your next books has to be about Sundays with Salvatore and some of the lessons and recipes you're picking up from your weekly, I guess you have a weekly cook-off with Salvatore. Is that right? Yes. Every single Sunday. We've been doing that for many years and we we have our own rituals, including using his iPad to review my online stock portfolio that he invests and manages for me. So, Oh my God, that's fantastic. That's great. Yes. Yes. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about you and the and the tremendous platform that you've built uh, as a woman tech warrior, and you've uh, done that on the basis of your insights gleaned from not only AT and T and Cisco, but more, most recently from working at Salesforce. And some of the things you talk about are achieving success. You know, one of the biggest headlining books you've written is uh, Success from Anywhere. And I think this is such a timely subject because people are in transition. People are going through something, so to speak. And we're calling it any number of things. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to bring, you know, rein in this elephant. And this elephant in the room is the great resignation or the great reset or the great reprioritization and the terms and conditions of our verbal and spiritual and intellectual contract with our employers is being vastly disrupted. So can you talk a little bit about success from anywhere? Because I think that's a perch from which you've developed a, a following and a, and a very rich voice of insight. What struck me coming out of the major pandemic pause is the many ways people were being thoughtful about changing their relationship with work and how work shows up in their lives. The challenge of some of the headlines you highlighted there is it draws a line in the sand that paints these polar opposites of winners and losers, employer versus employee, work right. well or live well, as if these need to be mutually exclusive. What I've discovered is the individuals, teams, and organizations that are winning at this new world of work are all asking the same question, what matters? And when we ask that question of what matters and come together for a conversation where we get curious, 
we have the opportunity to create choices. The reality is none of, how, uh, none of us have experience planning a workplace in a post-pandemic world or whatever phase we want to call it now. Right. And so the best tools to construct a future of work that works for employees as well as employers are curiosity, creativity, and choice. I think that's a really wizened insight. And I'll tell you, as I listen to people on various uh, phases of their journey, so many people are coming to the same recognition. And I think you make a really interesting point. I think very oftentimes we're treated to, um, you know, this is us versus them, the workplace or those employers. And in point of fact, it seems to me talking to a number of our uh, of our guests, most recently, Steve Holt, uh, whose podcast is going to release later today, uh, talking about his experience at Twitter. You know, the world of uh, the, the world of media right now for the past months has had nothing but negative press about that particular employer. But what we found in talking to a transitioning employee, someone who's actually leaving the building, is he had nothing, nothing but positive and uh, gracious things to say about the organization, conceding that it wasn't perfect, but neither are any of the other work environments we all inhabit. So there's something in that. It's, uh, it almost sounds to me like what you're saying is we need to reset our expectations of our employer, not as the be-all, the end-all, the one that's supposed to make everything right. Is that a fair, is that a fair assertion? Mindset matters. And when I think about changing our relationship with work, I reflect on my own journey and how many times throughout my career I was looking for work to do something for me, to fill an important role of giving me the opportunity to feel accepted or belonging or approval or the feeling of being successful. And what I realized is my relationship with work changed and how I showed up at work changed when I wasn't needing my boss or my employer to love me and accept me and make me feel safe and wanted. I realized I could provide all of those things for myself. Those were all available inside of me. And what that freed me up to do is show up to be of service. If, if I don't need work to love me back and approve me and tell me that I'm successful, that frees me up to say, what can I do for you? What else could this be? What could we create together? And we all love to be around those kinds of people, right? We all think about a college who's perpetually positive and you just can't get enough of them. You want to be a part of what they're doing. The other aspect that's healthy to institute are routines, rituals, and boundaries for when you go to work and critically important are routines, rituals, and boundaries so that you leave work behind at the end of the day on weekends and holidays. And that's an area where we see people renegotiating that relationship with work quite a bit. Right. Now, in, now in your experience, you've uh, led an executive career in three organizations. Um, tell us a little bit about the environment in which you worked. Was it remote? Was it hybrid? You know, I, I imagine it involved a lot of travel. And tell us a little bit about how you negotiated that as you advanced through the world of technology and the world of, of leadership. If this is a multiple choice test, my answer is all of the above. Okay, great. I have been an office worker. I have been a hybrid worker. I have been a traveling worker. I've been a you know virtual distributed global worker, every category and way you can work. And 
the way that I think about being successful, regardless of your work arrangement, is about how you show up and what works with your culture. I mean, the reality is there's pros and cons to every working model. Right. It's more about what works for you. You, right. And I've found that when you can share with a boss or a set of colleagues the circumstances under which you can be at your peak performance, they are inclined to support those because they want your peak performance. So for some people, that might be no meeting Thursdays. For someone else, that might be a noon commitment to go to the gym every day. For somebody else, that might be 10 to midnight is when they respond to all of their right. What happens so often is unstated expectations go unmet. We make this assumption that because someone sends us an email or a Slack message or a text at a certain hour, they're expecting a response. We don't ask, we assume that to be true, and then we do it, and suddenly we're living outside of alignment with our values. What I found is when we pause to share expectations and ask for expectations, we can negotiate flexible teaming agreements and shared expectations that set us up mutually for success. You know, that's a very interesting uh, perspective because as I'm listening to other leaders talk about this pivot away from command and control leadership, leading with heart. We'll hear from uh, Jeffrey Roach talking about leading with heart and the inspiration his mother had as a nurse to uh, his leadership style. And when I listen to all of these folks, you know, it, it almost seems like the kernel of, of, of engagement where this all is starting to form differently is around this notion that we need to be less reflexive as managers and we need to take a little bit more time to understand the individual needs as opposed to the collective needs of a group that we can't, you know, it seems simple, but we can't continue to manage everyone under the same expectations and the same rule book because it is not the same for everyone. People do show up differently and we run the risk of offending some and underutilizing others because of that, um, you know, sort of level playing field that we look for. We need to treat everyone equally. But that doesn't mean we have to manage them the same. And I think that's some of what you're saying, isn't it? Yes. And what I like about what you said is highlighting this shift away from companies as command and control entities. What I've discovered and come to believe is our expectation of our work environment now is moving from command and control to companies as communities. Right. And when you think about what a community is, a community is a place of contribution, a place of belonging, a place of shared identity, and what I think of as a kaleidoscope identity. You know, if you think about a kaleidoscope, you I love that. Yeah. And you look no, through it, right? There's individual brilliant pieces that some And then there are patterns that change with a little bit of influence, yes. Right. You can maintain the integrity of the individual as well as the integrity of the whole. These are not mutually exclusive. Great communities are based primarily on shared values. So when I think about moving from command and control to companies as communities, I coach people to return to and reflect on your values. Do you and your boss or you and your employer have a set of shared values? Because if either part of you are living out of alignment with your values, 
you'll never feel like you truly belong, that you're part of a community. So to our listening and viewing audience, this is Disrupt Ed, where we talk to the purpose-driven and the persistent, the do-gooders and the determined who are making sense of this disrupted world. And today we have the treat of talking with Karen Manja about her journey through the tech world as an executive in several major organizations. And Karen, I'm interested in the work that you wrote about in Success From Anywhere. You know, from your point of view, it's interesting to me that some leaders in, in, in the world at large, folks like Jamie Dimon, folks like Elon Musk are saying, you've got to come back to work or, you know, or else. Others are saying it's okay uh, to stay out there and, to be, and, and some are arguing for some kind of a hybrid. And I guess the question on the minds of many is, how do I navigate that without anxiety? And some of it has to do with these unmet expectations, I think. But also some of it has to do with introducing the elephants in the room. And what a number of these leaders have pointed out is that there are very big missing ingredients to people working remotely. And we sort of have to put that elephant out there because a lot of employees are finding greater flexibility. They're being more present with their families. They're finding a better work-life balance. But there is a cost. And one of those costs is not necessarily the work productivity of making things or getting things out the door. But it is the productivity that comes with what you were just describing as a sense of community. People don't feel that sense of community. And where we're seeing it reflected in the research and in the in the news is that people are coming to work with a great deal more anxiety and mental health challenges have just skyrocketed during this time. And it's because of an increased sense of isolation. So when you talk about success from, from anywhere, how do you embody that notion that you can be successful in an environment that can be somewhat isolating at times? We all prefer meaning to mandates. What people are saying when they are isolated is, I'm struggling to find meaning as a member of this team, right? I don't feel seen and heard. And what happens when we issue and what feels like an empty mandate is the same thing happens with professionals as happens with picky toddlers who don't want to eat their vegetables. I mean, what happens to you if I said to you right now, we're required to end this podcast immediately. And I didn't give you any context. There would be a force that rises up inside of you that's the same as when you look that picky eater child in the face and say, right. we're going to eat all of your vegetables. And right. that force, that voice screams this, you can't make me. Here's the reality. Mandates activate resistance. Because what happens is someone says, how does the person many levels removed from me in a corner office have enough information about me as a person to mandate to me what's best for me, my family, my working conditions, and where and when work happens. It activates resistance. What activates resilience is choice. Where are the areas? Yes, that choice matters. And I'll give you an example, General Mills. You might recognize them as the cereal makers and flour makers that we supported right. so strongly during the pandemic. And their leaders did what most leaders do, they sent out the survey, how are the employees doing? In not shocking news, it came back, burnout. The well-intentioned leaders at General Mills, as a result of the employee survey, offered everyone additional PTO. And they were shocked when fewer than 8% of the employees opted in and burnout raged. They got curious. 
They interviewed employees. They got involved with an organization that coached them on brain science. And they went back to that same group of employees recently and said, you're burnt out. We hear you. There's still a lot of uncertainty. That's why we're offering you the gift of choice. Now, within the gift of choice program, you will have three choices, more PTO, more pay will literally give you more money or the donation to a not-for-profit of your choosing. Within the first 24 hours, over 85% of the employees opted in. Eight to 85%. Wow. Would you what like to guess, what was the number one choice, Ron? That's a good more question. More PTO, more pay, not-for-profit donation. Um, that's a good question. I would say probably more PTO. It was more PTO. Think about this. The employer got to the outcome they were already willing to offer, to offer. by making it a choice. <laughs> that's crazy. But that's, I mean, that's really profound on one level because what it's telling us is that people want a voice. They want to be seen. They want to be heard. So let's pivot this a little bit because in our last episode with Kelly Ireland, who is the Internet of Things Woman of the Year that we had the privilege of having on the show recently, we talked about GSD women, women in tech. And one of the conclusions that we came up with is men need to step aside and make the workforce and make the leadership room more equal by having more diverse voices in it. And so we need more GSD women in high, in higher positions in tech. How do we do that? You've been able to navigate that path successfully, but you've also experienced, you know, challenges along the way. So what is the key to creating that leadership team that brings us this kind of empathetic leadership, this kind of leadership that understands that it's about choice and flexibility, and that's working with people as individuals and not as, you know, everyone is equal and everyone's in a box doing the same thing. Create space. Creating space means inviting someone whose voice is not being heard to be heard and seen. If you are the person dominating 80% of the conversation, you are not creating space. Right. We can invite people we are not hearing from to participate. We can use collaborative documents so people who are quieter have a chance to speak up and make sure they're heard. Creating space says, from my place of access, I will share it so that all are seen and heard. Now, in some cases, that could benefit from technology, right? And you are working for a platform that helps to establish more employee engagement and more community. People think of Salesforce in one limited sense as a pipeline management tool or a customer, um, you know, um, a CRM uh, platform, but it's much more than that. And the apps and the uh, additional add-ons to the platform suggest that Salesforce is recognizing, as are other tech companies, we need to inspire engagement using the tools we have at our disposal. So how do you see the future of that manifesting itself? So we do know that people are less engaged sometimes when they spend long periods of time isolated. So we give them choice. But then when they show up uh, and then they go back away and they're working remotely, how do we keep them more engaged? Because So they get that intangible that comes with a sense of community and a sense of belonging. Asynchronous work and distributed work are the best opportunities we have to create diverse and inclusive workplaces and workforces. Because what asynchronous work and distributed work make possible is 
you work when you are at your best. Some people are great at being put on the spot and responding and brainstorming. Some right. people step away and think. Some people are great at speaking up in a group and talking over everyone else to have their idea be heard. Some people are not. There's a variety of ways that asynchronous distributed work makes it possible for people to contribute when they are at their contribution best. And when you add in context-rich technology options, like being able to use video and embed that in everything, a Slack message to a LinkedIn message, then what happens is you get more face time and less time. Now I don't always have to go to a meeting to see you, but I know I am being seen. So I think about what's possible for us to see each other without always defaulting to a meeting or being the loudest speaker in every conversation. So for our listening and viewing audience, this is Disrupt Ed, where we'd be talking with Karen Mangia, Vice President of Market Insights from Salesforce. And as you can tell, Karen has a lot of insights into how we manage this next chapter in the disrupted world of work. And so before we take off, I'm going to ask Karen to join us again, because I think this is a conversation we need to come back to. In the meantime, I also want to hear uh, any last thoughts you have about making the workplace work on those own terms? Because I think you've given our audience some real insights. Showing up is important. Understanding how to be seen and how to have the space to make choices. Those are all great things to help us be more productive, but also to feel more a sense of belonging and more of a sense of purpose in our jobs, whatever they may be. So closing thoughts, Karen? Anything is possible. And the future is yours to create. That's really what great leaders do. They create the future. That's a good way to look at it. So Karen, the best-selling author of Success From Anywhere, uh, tune into customers, success with less, and how to make the new normal work for you. All of these best-selling uh, books worth taking a look at, worth also linking up with this very inciting, very exciting and insightful tech warrior, Karen Manja. Thank you so much for joining us. And we invite you to come back in the next few months to tell us more about what you're finding as you're out in the world of work, uh, talking with customers, assuming the voice of the customer and bringing that into this discussion as well. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you. This has been another episode of Disrupt Ed. If you want to hear more, check in with us, subscribe to our newsletter. You'll hear more about Karen in the weeks to follow and more information on her uh, best-selling books. We'll have more information to share on our community site. And also stay tuned for the next episode of Disrupt Ed. This has been your host, Ron Stefanski. Thanks. Take care.